I'm just a little volcano in the nighttime. I can see the world burn under my fingertips. I'm just an apple I'll fall when I turn right. Hit the floor hard, I was never picked. But you still a bitch Messing with my mind with the pills did Niggas press my line, hit the kill switch Niggas dying in the summertime But I never tripped It wasn't one of mine I'm heaven sent In my mother's eyes, everything I did Kinda undefined Real dead, real spit Falling out the vine Man, I was a little kid Living off a vine The sunset, sunset It was my time, I ain't done yet Oh. All right, Clinton, we're back, and this week we are all day bravey. Um, we'll talk about everything that's going on. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, um, tired, like I just told you, but yes, uh, I'm happy to be back and uh, glad to be, glad to be record- recording again. Uh, switching my schedule completely from work from uh, getting off at evenings to waking up at 6 a.m. and getting off at uh, 3.30 is way tougher than I anticipated it being, honestly. Um, I've really had one of those uh, moments where I'm like, man, I have to drink coffee, don't I? And I don't really like drinking coffee because um, I already am kind of like jittery and anxious. So it just it's like sometimes it adds to it. But I was so like out of it and fucked up last night that I only got two hours of sleep. And 
I just like, yeah, I have to make a pot of coffee. I have to. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I did because I'm not sure I would have made it through the day without that coffee. <laughs> sure, definitely. I can I can feel that. Yeah, it feels long like it's been longer than it has been. Uh, yeah. I think we recorded later in the week last time. So really, we're only like a couple of days off of having had an episode out a week ago, I think. Um, but it feels late, I think, because we kept moving it back, kept pushing it back. We had yeah. this on the books to do, but stuff uh, stuff comes up. Life comes up. Like you talked about completely switching your life schedule around <laughs> dealing with all of that. Um, the shows that you, you know, you gave me some shit for uh, the the uh, the turbo graps. But I mean, you want to talk about <laughs> tournament for tournament. This is I mean. I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's the, the obviously like it's just I, whatever. It's not a surprise. It's not a secret. Doing the WXW Tag League weekend, I uh, posted something out about it with my thoughts about like I really wish that I could feel invested in WXW again. I'm hoping that it comes out of it, and it started out strong and was feeling like it could be, but you know, not to spoil it, we'll see where that goes as we continue on with our review of the the whole weekend of that because WXW still has great presentation. Obviously, there's some some chinks not chinks i guess i don't know how to do it. some like little details that i think are annoying i think that the cheap music the cheap like royalty free music really affects it in a negative way um but either way like i said we'll talk about that when we get to it one thing i did want to bring up was something that really hits our kind of wheelhouse there was an article in on jacobin about wwe and labor abuses and unionizing that just came out a couple days ago, written by a guy named uh, Tim Gill. Um, I heard about it because they were talking about it on uh, on WrestleNomics, which was very funny to hear Brandon Thurston and all of his co-hosts have no concept of how to pronounce Jacobin. Um, just shows you where their head's at when it comes to this stuff. Um, because, yeah, like I think, you know, Quentin, the, the historical nature of the term Jacobin and where it comes yeah. from in France and the revolution, they they didn't get that. They're not even familiar with the publication enough to know the name of it. But uh, there was uh, quotes coming out from Tucker Knight, Tucky from Heavy Machinery, um, a favorite of mine for a long time. I think a favorite of some people who listen to the podcast in general. He's no, he's, we, he got released a couple of years ago. Yeah, during, and during the pandemic cuts. During right. the pandemic, yeah, and him talking about basically how WWE's the way that they treated their employees seemed to really radicalize him in realizing that they, this big billion dollar company does not value you. They think of you as completely replaceable. They don't. They were not concerned if people were going to catch COVID. Though he's basically talking about the way that the you know the way that the businesses run with employees paying out of pocket for so much of the incidentals. And he's, you know, said, I got no reason to complain. I did well, made plenty of money, but at the end of the day, I was doing pretty good, but I was also spending 200 days out of a 300 day year away from my newly born child. And it's just not worth it. You know, the juice is not worth the squeeze, especially when you're not getting respected by the company. So just wanted to give a shout out to that. Like I said, that really crosses, crosses our hemispheres of wrestling, an article about wrestling in Jacobin, right? Yeah, pretty much it does that exactly. I didn't get to uh, read it, so I'll look for I'll look for it after we do this. But it's a super interesting thing, and you know, it's always interesting to me that we just don't have more of that. Obviously, like the person that was the face of that got disgraced and just pretty much no right. longer exists in the 
wrestling world. And that's not to say that before all that stuff happened, that he was the most well-liked person for his uh, political beliefs in the wrestling industry either. But with the absence of that, that stuff really hasn't been present on on, on anyone's mind at all, other than when people are like bashing WWE for like say Saudi Arabia or uh or, th- or things like that the Vince McMahon and all that like this stuff the labor the la- the labor stuff and the workers rights and unionizing and the idea of unionizing the wrestling industry just has fallen wayside ever since you know 2020 when we know what happened it's uh yeah it's a thing that i wish more, like we could like see people get back to and it's you know, in, in in some ways, kind of miraculous that he even got to where he did. That, like, you know, pushing the uh, political beliefs he had, even if you want to call him a champagne a champagne show, socialist or like call him a class traitor or whatever, that he still got to where he was pushing those beliefs. But now it's a uh, it's a real void there. So I'm glad to yeah. see like someone at least like bringing it back up in some capacity. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously the other another vocal, you know, someone pushing that like kind of politics and that side of things also uh, magically has not been posting for the past couple of years as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The the other guy that was doing it just had lost his just lost his phone three years ago. And it's great. Like the two the two voices of that, the the guys that were the two biggest independent wrestlers going uh i guess by that i guess by that point zach was full-time new japan but still able to do some indie dates but like the two biggest or two of the biggest non-wwe wrestlers in the world just like suddenly vanished along with their political beliefs and like you know not, it's it's, it's, it's kind of crazy <laughs> it is interesting to see that and you could really go off into some real weird circles especially you know with all the alex jones stuff in the news right now it's 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 fun to to play the conspiracy theory, but you know, just like all the embargoes in Cuba and all of the hanky stuff going on in Venezuela over the years from uh, from Iran Contra and, and America getting involved in there, you know what I mean? It does make you go like, what is it about the vocal when someone's vocal and pushing leftist uh, politics that somehow they just completely disappear? They get silenced, whatever. You know, probably not related. Maybe who knows, you know, pink scares and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. These things happen, but you know, it. I'll say it definitely didn't help. Nobody was, you know, backing up to 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 say like, hey, you know, drop it, don't talk about it, don't don't go after this guy for whatever reason. And people are not uh, happy to to bring them back, and and rightfully so, you know, especially yeah, when it comes you to- know, it's like people were is is the thing that I think we talked about at the time is that yeah, get rid of the guy, and if you don't feel comfortable around him, per- like. Yeah, fuck him. I understand. I understand that, but then it was also then used to like call like in question the validity of the beliefs and like things like that. And again, it's not like there were a bunch of wrestlers that were publicly supporting him in terms of that either. There was we. There was we the independent, but like, how many people were like publicly, you know, really going really going with that or work or working with that? You know, it was. Him and the photographer and the photographer guy. That's about it. And some people would wear the merch. Yeah, sure, Oku. you. Yeah, Michael like, Oku was pretty strong into it, but you know, mm, yeah. Well, like, but otherwise, not. Went. We saw like we saw how Pete Dunn reacted to everything when it happened. Yeah, and we see how we saw how Pete Dunn 
reacted to you know NXT UK. So that was one of right. that was one of the that was one of the biggest guys when uh when all this happened, the face of it, the people said, Oh, you guys are you guys are overreacting, X, Y, X, Y, and Z. This is a good this is a good thing. So of course he wouldn't agree with uh with the left with with the left leaning guy and talking about unionizing and we should take a stand because that's the complete opposite of what Pete Dunn stands for. So Right. And then they have him debut on WWE TV and he's dressed up like a longshoreman. So what the fuck is going on there, right? He looks like a union <laughs> guy. Uh <laughs> but whatever, I guess, you know. That's a that's I guess that's pretty common. There's a ton of wrestling gimmicks that are far from what the guy is re- like in real in real life, right? Yeah, of course. Um, speaking of WWE gimmick guys, I think there's no no bigger WWE gimmick guy than one uh uh Wyndham Rotundo, Bray Wyatt. He returned. Quentin, you said you wanted to uh say your piece on this. I I don't have much to say. Um I think that the ratings discourse, the tickets discourse, the, you know, the eyes, the attention to Bray Wyatt discourse is just very funny to me because I think I think that one number popping from some like alternative reality viral marketing campaign was like really being over attributed to to Bray Wyatt. And now people are really realizing that and seeing like, oh, shit, like people there was a good amount of people who were excited about Bray. That's where they're paying attention to it. But I think the number popped so big because people were excited to see what the thing was, not that it was not to see Bray Wyatt would be my answer there. So like, I don't even really care about all of that. It's more so kind of reflective and like Bray's place in modern WWE history, where we look at this guy and it's been nearly 10 years of, um, of Bray Wyatt on the main roster in WWE. And this is one of the most baffling careers I think I've ever seen in pro wrestling history. It is one of the most confusing, illogical, and hard to explain things I think wrestling's produced ever. And I'm not sure how to how like we'll be able to explain the phenomenon of Bray Wyatt in 10 to 15 years. Whether it's the constant gimmick changes whether it's the fact that this guy is constantly pushed or presented as a top of the card act but has maybe three to four good matches that people can name off the top of their heads and two of them involve Daniel Bryan Uh, the connection that the crowd seems to have with him based off of what exactly um, it's not to say that he's bad at what he does, or that like he's a great, he's a gifted talker. Uh, the con, like the content of the promos might be a little, but might be a little lacking. But in terms of delivery and things like that, I think he's one of the best modern wrestling ha- one of one of the best modern wrestling has had in this time in this time period. But everything about Bray in his career is so baffling from the way that they've pushed him to not going all the way, the world title stuff, the fucking fiend and how big the fiend got and involving Alexa and, and involving Alexa bliss. The fact that a guy that was like at the heights of Bray's popularity got released, you know, it's, there's so much, I think to unpack about Bray's career that 
just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. There's there isn't all these all there isn't all these great Bray Wyatt matches to point to and say like, oh yeah, Bray Wyatt's a great worker. Where are all the great Bray Wyatt feuds and programs? Like it's a bunch it's a it's a bunch of stuff and I get it. Like WWE isn't a wrestling company. It's an entertainment company that happens to have people wrestle from time to time. I understand that. But I cannot fathom or understand in a million years why Bray Wyatt in his time on the main roster has left some kind of impact. And like he's not a box office draw. He will pop a rating. He was a floppish champion and Things like that, and yes, he gets the big reactions, but no one actually is like going out of their way to see Bray Wyatt. Like that's all true, but in terms of whatever connection that the core WWE audience has with Bray Wyatt, those people that will watch every week, the people that will bow when Vince McMahon comes out, those people, I will never be understand be able to understand why Bray Wyatt is as beloved as he is. It is just a weird ass thing. Yeah, it's there's part of me that I like look at him and you say like Bray Wyatt it should have should peak as being like one of those like Lucha or you know uh uh holiday caravine camp knockoff gimmick guys doing like a, a Mick Foley impersonation gimmick. Like that's that's like the peak of what he really is. He's like doing the, you know, the mix of the mankind and the cactus jack and having the different faces and the twisted and all that stuff. Like that's like what his real peak should be, but then he ends up where he is. And I feel as you're talking there, the thing that really crossed my mind is like Bray Wyatt is the example of the thing that I always say when we talk about how, you know, I don't care about business metrics. I don't like the point of this for me is not to talk about the wrestling business. It's about talking about wrestling and how I wish that wrestling was funded like an art, like a performance art where the government like backed it and, and nationalized it and just like gave people money to create art. And we didn't have to worry about the business side. Bray Wyatt is almost the example of that. The, the business be damned. The guy has a this long storied career with no proof of ever working on the business metrics other than selling merch and then just creating his art, you know, that that does speak to people and is why it must be why he sells merch. It must be why people are just like so attracted to him in this weird way is that like this shitty art that nobody wants to really see him wrestle. It's the most it's the most it's the most it's the most masturbatory wrestling character, I think, ever, which covers a lot of fucking ground based yes. off of like what we're talking about here. But like, just look at what we're talking about, like, like. Why does he get to do what he does based off of what? Yeah. And the fact he's just that, allowed to do this. The fact that his like his just art artistic endeavors are subsidized by the largest wrestling company in the world for a decade as he just, you know, limps along and never does anything really for business metrics. Like I said, selling merch is the only thing anyone's ever been able to point to as working for him. Um, and otherwise, nothing. And like you said, even like non-business metrics just like classic matches there's nothing no one talks about loving bray wyatt performances any of this stuff the only negative of all of that like i said of him being the example of what could happen when you treat wrestling truly like it's art and you just subsidize it for its own sake without really worrying about the business side of things is that he's a fucking nepotism case and that you know he's you know 
his dad and his grandpa and his mom's all in the wrestling business. Um, so it just it it does speaks to the you know the unfair nature of capitalism, right? Again, it's not it can't just be an artistic endeavor where this guy who gets this special treatment is just some random wacko who's just got this insane brain, but that uh, that you know he's he's in this position because of his connections and because of his family history. Um, but that said, yeah, it's just one of the oddest careers ever. One of the weirdest things to look at. You've not really ever seen anybody like this. Who's the closest thing that you could even compare it to would be like a Shane McMahon where it didn't matter. Nothing, none of no other part of it mattered. They were just going to be allowed to do what they wanted because of their special position. But even Shane, I think people have memories of things that they care about, but I guess you could say he never, I don't know that he ever drew in any real sense. You know, there's no real proof of that. Right. Right. But at um, the same time, it's like, that's at least somewhat understandable because he was fucking Vince's kid. Like, right. at least, like, what in the fuck does Micro Tunda have on WWE as to where Bray gets I mean, this kind of leash? It's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, they never really, it was never as if he was a pushed commodity in the WWE, truly. And he went to WCW during the Monday, you know, during the Monday Night Wars and all that stuff. So, you know, it's not like he was never anything special to them. I think he's worked backstage. His, like I said, his grandfather has worked backstage. Um, yeah, like, so, like yeah, I know the whole, like the whole, like the third, like the family in terms of like the long lineage. But other than other than Bla other than Blackjack, it's not like these are people that were like super important to the store to the story of WWE, right? Like. And even and even saying that about saying that about blackjack might be push might be pushing it. Yeah, like, I wouldn't say that he's important to the story of WWE, but he was a uh, he was an important and big time member of the backstage you know, so, for a long time. So uh, everything about everything about him is just so 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 deeply confusing. And yes. literally, I don't see a, any way in which you justify any of this like even these other like long running uh constantly evolving wrestlers that like added certain uh, certain elements into their uh into their characters like you mentioned you mentioned mankind and Mick Foley let's go with Mick Foley and all his different iterations and then like let's, let's go let's look at Undertaker right like of course like for largely of the first 10 years 11 years really of Undertaker's run in WWE the good matches are few and far between. Not that he wasn't talented, but he just wasn't really put in a position to go up there and actually have good matches. But like by the time we get to like 2001, 2002, after like for a good like eight years, there's a bunch of really good Undertaker matches. Like we could at least point to that on some level, whether it's Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, your mileage may vary on the Shawn Michaels stuff, Ric Flair, the Triple H stuff. Like, there's good Undertaker matches out there at some point that people that like makes people at least like even argue on a site like PWO that Undertaker might be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, or should or should be deserving of a hundred or, or should be deserving of making the top one hundred. That's kind of crazy that a place like PWO would even consider the Undertaker. McFoley, we obviously know how revered and respected McFoley is among fans in uh in this uh sector of uh, of, re of wrestling fandom, and he deserved that. The promos are great. The promos are there. He has all of that, but 
on top of that, he has the stuff with Terry. He has the stuff with Terry Funk. He has he has the stuff. With, he has the stuff with Sting. Has the Triple H stuff. Has the stuff with The Rock. Has the stuff with Undertaker, Randy Orton, all that. Like we can run down the great Mick Foley matches. I, I it's literally like three matches that people might remember of Bray Wyatt, and three might be pushing it. Like the John Cena match where Cena threw stairs at him. And then two, and then two Daniel Bryan matches, and Daniel Bryan is the best wrestler of all time. Right. Other than that, there's not there. So like, like you could say maybe the trios stuff, but really, he really, wasn't. Yeah, that's like really, like, top, like, yeah. like yeah, like really, like Luke Harper was the guy in those matches on the white on the white on the white family side. Like he was there, of course. Like he was there for the good for great for the good matches, but they're not great because of him. So it's just such a weird thing because what exactly are you gravitating to about Bray Wyatt? And it was an interesting thing when he was t- doing the promo and like talking as Wyndham Rotunda basically and he's saying, you know, people coming up to Bray and talking to Bray and saying like, hey, your words saved my life and this and that and getting into mental health and stuff along those lines and I guess I started to sort of get it, and I'm not saying this in a way to like diminish like the connection someone might feel to anyone's uh words impact that it may have on them. Like people may call it, may may find it just as silly to be that deeply impacted by like the lyrics and words of a of a musician and stuff like that. So I'm not judging it, but it just blows my mind, and I just want to know. Just to hear, it's like, what exactly about Bray Wyatt in his Riddle Man character do you connect to? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like, just like what, like what exactly, like what, like what exactly is it? Like, like the people that love Bray, the people that like, like that, like a like think Fight Club is the best movie of all time. It's like a perfect circle to me. I think, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like I feel like those are the same person or like they actually like really enjoy Donnie Darko or think Donnie Darko is like a legitimately great movie or so or something like that like this stuff that like has some level of meaning to it but not nearly enough meaning as people are like trying to like apply to it and it just blows my mind that like Ray has this connect has this connection with WWE fans in nothing that really explains why. And not even just WWE fans. I mean, he speaks to a certain kind of weirdo who maybe doesn't even care about WWE. Again, that's why like it doesn't pop a rating, it doesn't draw tickets, it doesn't, you know, sell pay-per-views, all this stuff because people these people who don't really pay attention to WWE but just like this dark and twisted guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's why like if they if they had done the horror movie cuz the, supposedly there's a Bray Wyatt, a, you know, fiend horror movie pitch that's out there or possibly out there whatever. Um maybe that would have been it. Maybe the box office would have sold. Maybe the kind of people who like Bray Wyatt will go watch a movie about the fiend but they won't watch wrestling, you know? Maybe they watch YouTube clips to see what they want to see of of Bray Wyatt, but they don't really care about watching Monday Night Raw, right? I don't, I don't fucking know, but yeah, he he speaks to something, and it's definitely it's a bigger thing, you know. It's that same story that you talk about the 
you know, the bombed out, destroyed middle section of America with the all the people who are strung out on whatever and, and all this and that, like, and they're twisted and they're into the Joker and they're, you know, they're all that the fucking dads going to family court and dad's rights and all this stuff. Like, those are the those are the people that I guess this speaks to in a weird way. Um, and and I don't fucking know. I don't relate to it. I don't care about it. I'm not interested in it. You know, it's never never spoken to me. Um from the beginning, I was just annoyed that I thought that Luke Harper was being wasted, you know, um, in the group. Brody Lee, I thought was much better than 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 you know the the level that he was being pushed at as part of that group, and that was kind of my takeaway from it. And, and I actually liked Husky Harris. I thought that there was something there with the Husky Harris thing, and I especially liked him in the new Nexus. I thought like, oh, we could make something out of this guy. You know, but the, the thing is, he just never improved as a wrestler after that. Like once the Bray yeah. Wyatt thing happened, he just never actually improved as a wrestler. He just gets to do bridges and like act like a spider apparently like like yeah. like that's that's like that's all that's all that happened there was literally literally no improvement in like I can't stress enough I know we've talked about it well I know I talked about it when I did the uh, psychology of that episode with Jamesy talking about Brian's WWE run but I can't stress enough how much of miracles those Wyatt and Brian matches are like literally nothing else in his career even comes close either time like it's not even a conversation there's no conversation to be had and I get it like this guy went into a promo heavy character in like a real uh thespian work kind of character like I I get it so the wrestling took a back seat but like from the time we saw him on NXT up until now, the guy hasn't improved at all, which is which is what makes this like every bit of this all that all that much more weird. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, but I don't know, Quentin. I don't think we're going to be able to solve this here tonight. I don't <laughs> this riddle. Can we, can we? Can we? Can we like find like a fiend fanatic and interview them? Oh, I'm. I mean, that would be very fun to really try to crack this nut and figure out what the deal is here. Um, if <laughs> I think we I need to find multiple different kinds of fiend fanatics, though. Yeah, like this is a... the ones who actually watch, the ones who don't even watch wrestling, just like the fiend. You know what I mean? Mm. People who actually think he's a good wrestler. There's got to yeah, be some uh, out there that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I want to. I want to put a call out to the uh, <laughs> listeners. If you know any fiend fanatics, any like hardcore Bray Wyatt fans, please point them in our direction. I would yeah. love to interview a Bray Wyatt fan. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, Quentin, did you watch any of Triple Mania? Uh, I saw the main event. You saw the main event. All right. Well, let's talk about it. I watched um, the Mega Championship match before that as well i would recommend it um for just high flying and phoenix gets color which is kind of cool uh a lot of action for sure obviously i mean vikingo is just fucking crazy man i mean the stuff that he does is nuts he's on another level when it comes to high flying i know it's, uh, people, it's are losing it. people are losing it for commander right now because he's showing up in in gcw and this and that and and he commander definitely does some fucking wild shit but like I don't know, at the top level, having the star power plus just doing some of the nuttiest physically stuff that comes across physically impossible. I just don't think that anybody tops uh, 
Vikingo right now, especially coming. Uh, Vikingo comes across like a main eventer, you know, and and a high flying main eventer, whereas Commander to me is not quite there yet. Maybe he'll get there, you know. But but yeah, this guy is fucking wild. Um, main event now. Okay, <laughs> give me some background here. Um, this is not a one of the Vianos who's lost their mask and put it back on already, or is it? Uh. No, I do not believe. I, I do not believe so. Not believe so. Okay. Let um, me. Uh, let me. Let me make. Let, yeah. me, let me make. Let me make sure, really quick. But no, I think that he. Uh, he. He. He's been safe. Yeah. Um. I know that some of them. I know that there's some Vianos who have like lost their mask and then put them back on later. Um. And uh, and then like came back. Whatever. Either way. Um. This Vian. This Viano. Viano. I guess this is Viano four. Mm. Um, or is it six? I don't. I'm. I don't. No, it's got to be four, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, it's four. Um, four. Um, nearly sixty years old. <laughs> um, uh huh. Obviously, big time star. The setup, the tournament, doesn't make any sense, right? Because you want to have big stars and a mask and a you know a Puestus match for the main event that people are going to care about. But to build to this, you're setting it up where it's the two biggest losers. Are finally facing each other, so you have to have someone like Pentagon lose a bunch of matches to get here. Vianos, yes, it's Vianos, a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's a weird setup. Uh, even the way CMLL got to theirs is a uh, was a weird setup. So like that's some that's like the aspect that you kind of like got to turn your brain off just a little tiny bit and like right, like but like what you get is hey maybe we didn't get a whole actual build. Because of whatever kind of like political games and obligations that were that that were that were involved here, but you also get like the best possible spectacle out of it. Yeah. So yeah, let's feel free to, to give your thoughts on the match. Oh no, this is a uh, like probably like quite literally the best Pentagon match, the best Pentagon match in seven years, probably. Like it's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Best Pentagon was, match since Vampiro, and uh, I was, I was, I was kind of letting you <laughs> take the the beginning on that because that was like my biggest takeaway. So I'll just echo that now as you say it. Like seeing this was kind of shocking because I'm just like, where is this fucking guy? <laughs> Anytime but lately? You, but no, like no, but no, but no, but here's the thing, right? And like I feel like at some point Pentagon just got really miscast. Um. Like I think he got put into the spot guy category when he can do spots, but he's not really that type of guy. Like if you see the charisma and the things that he can do and like his best attributes as a pro wrestler, this is what this guy should be doing. He should be having like bloodbath mask matches. And I feel like eventually, like, you know, after Lucha Underground when him and Phoenix leave and, they're going on this on on this tour of the U.S. of, of the U.S. Indies and going all over the place and all that stuff. They like he didn't really do what I think his best stuff is, which is going around brawling, being crazy. And he has stuff that's great where he did do that and showed up and worked a random death match or whatever. But like, I remember this is a guy that was doing like hardcore matches and shit. Like he's not, not like not that far removed from like being like a Pagano type of guy. And if you look at him coming from that background, the charisma, the crowd connection, 
ability to work as a Rudo and attack and a Technico. Like he could literally do it all in like the best showman showman showmanshipy like aspects of Lucha Libre. And instead he went the 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 uh, US Indy route, which worked out for him and turned out to be a good gamble for him and for him and uh him and Phoenix and got them more money. Like if they would have if he would have wound up staying in Mexico full time, like he wouldn't be making the money that he is that he that he is now. They he did the smart thing for himself and his career. But this is as far as far as his talent as a wrestler, this is what he should be doing. He should be out here having this type of bloodbath match with Viana with, with Viana uh with Viana four. He should be having these type of matches with like a Blue Demon Jr., uh LA Park, a Roosh, uh Ray a Scorpion and guys uh, and guys of that elk. Like that's what he should be doing. And it's great that he found a home in the US and continues to and can like he can get booked anywhere. And that's he made himself a worldwide star. But this is exactly what he should be doing. And it's just a super impressive match, obviously for uh for Viana's age. But just man, like imagine if we got you know what, at least another couple of years of Pentagon as this guy instead, and like AW, I guess, tried to revisit aspects of this or tried to apply aspects of this when Penta when Penta was feuding with Sammy Callahan, but you know, it didn't really reach those same heights or stay or stay there or, or stay there consistently. This is like really like what this guy's best at, and I think this is like a, just proof he's been miscasted for the last seven years. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, Jesus Christ, I, I'm just thinking about the way that you kind of get here. Um, you know, he was what he was in Mexico in Lucha when they brought him in for Lucha Underground. He was, I think people knew him. They knew what he did. Like you said, he was worked. He worked some smaller, you know, deathmatch indies before. Um, you think he was getting into AAA and then they like, oh, we're going to do this U.S. thing. They brought him in. And I don't think he was meant to be a focus of the show when he came in, but he got over so big and became like the biggest. And you could say he's the biggest success to come out of that fucking show, hands down. Um, and by the end of the run in Lucha Underground, it felt like it was the first time that you saw something that was like you mentioned it, La Parca. It felt like a new like he had the possibility of being like a new La Parca. And one thing that why a match like this works so well is that a similarity between like, you know, Pentagon Jr. and the Parka is that these guys embody this character and this vibe of this otherworldly being like they don't come across Pentagon Jr. at his best does not come across like a guy in a mask. He comes across like this weird, you know, demon monster ninja. And the way the reason why a big match like this works is that because as the mask gets ripped and as the shirt gets removed and as the blood is coming and he's doing the big dives and all the you the humanity starts to come through and you're like, oh, fuck, like he is a guy. He's not this like ninja demon ninja. He's a real person. And like, that's where the drama starts to come in. Like, this is a, an actual person. And like, it's so fucking great. Like, it's insane. It really is crazy. Like the star power that he has. And just though you forgot it after, like you said, seven years, 10 years of him just dogging it and doing absolutely nothing, forgot how much charisma and how big of a star this guy felt like he was going to be coming out of Lucha Underground just completely. And then right here, it just shows up and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, like you said, this is wasted so much time. 
wasted what could have been a top star. And people love to talk about Phoenix. Underrated. People don't realize he's one of the greatest in the world. That people that's like, you know, the smart guy take constantly. So much so that people forget that like actually Pentagon right here, this could he could be a top level player in AEW if they got this guy in AEW. This Penta against Moxley. Imagine what kind of fucking wild ass match you could have. This this Penta versus Brian Danielson in a main event. You you know what I mean? Like this is what he needs to be doing <laughs> on AEW TV, and he could be a top level star. Um, yeah, this was this was an eye opener and crazy to see. Like he can still do this shit. And the what the thing that really got me, like I said, was the big huge flying dive. I'm just like, what the fuck? This guy doesn't do this kind of stuff anymore. You know, you don't see the big just insane over the top flipping tope that just looked reckless and violent and wild and chaotic and beautiful and and everything all at once that's just goddamn so much charisma that aura that i talked about just a special kind of talent that's just completely squandered for years now at this point it's fucking wild to see but, him but, turn it but, on but, one night but that's the thing is like i have a hard time saying squander when i think that was a, it was a conscious choice by pentagon and that's the thing is like he chose what would be the best like the most conducive to him to like making the most money and getting out of whatever situation he was in. Like, it's easy to forget that before Lucha Underground, Phoenix and Pentagon were not big names. They were like they were not. You had to be like super into Lucha in AAA. Like, and maybe less so with Penta because of being Paris Del Mal and like everything like the, and, and, and everything there. And that was a big group and especially got more eyes on it after the after the stuff with Parito. But like those were they were not big guys. That's why it was such a big, like a big thing when like the when like they came back and from Lucha Underground, now suddenly they're main eventers. Like that, like it was it was weird. It was stuff that was hadn't really hadn't really been seen before. That these guys were prelim acts, and now all of a sudden they come they come back to the company and they're main event and they're main event stars now. Or they wouldn't be treated like main event stars. And that's all fine and understandable. But I think is like why Penta will be an interesting guy to look back on his career is, yeah, we think that he could have been better. We think that uh, create like creatively match output, all that kind of stuff that we could have seen a better wrestler version of Pentagon, which I fully agree with. But yeah, this is a, I guess this is what he felt like he felt like he had to be in order to get out of Mexico and find and find find something more stable and it works. So I can't blame the guy, but I think it's a very interesting thing to like look back on for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's the PWG thing, which at the time was like, that was really their ticket out of there. You know, looked like Lucha Underground was failing. It wasn't going to be a, become a big thing. And then they all, you know, the Luchadors all get brought in for Bola and you get the the Lucha Brothers tag team. And then people find out that they're, you know, actually brothers and all this and that. And it becomes what it becomes where they're doing like young bucks matches and and all that, like that kind of thing. And that was I mean, it's easy to look at it now and the way that things are and forget. But like there was a time when PWG was basically it like that was the big company. Getting noticed there and becoming something there was like the thing. And everybody wanted to just do the same thing. So them becoming 
basically doing the Young Bucks thing. And it was a good lane to try to fill. Worley worked for them. And again, like you said, got them out of Mexico, got them where they are now, where they're, you know, they are signed to AEW from the, from the jump. They're, I really don't think there's any, you know, chance or scare or reason to think that they're going to leave if, if the only they, reason why they, they leave they, is to go to WWE. They have so, jobs for life if they want them. Yeah. Like, anywhere in wrestling, too. Like, they have jobs for life anywhere based off the decision they made five or like seven years ago, which yeah. is great for them. That's great. That's that's great. That's great for them. And like Phoenix will go down like historically as being higher regarding the Pentagon because I think what he offers is a little bit more uh, dazzling and eye-catching and he's gotten those and he's like done better in those uh, singles opportunities uh, than, than, Pen- than Penta has. So we'll look back on this and Phoenix will be regarded higher, and right. he should be. But yeah, it is, this is a guy that I really like. I always say with Roosh that like he's you know people like uh like when like the, like the tumble like the Tumblr kids would say ten years ago oh I was born in the wrong generation and this and this <laughs> and this and that right like yeah that's truly Roosh like that's truly him he should be he should have been in the era where Arena Mexico allowed blood. That's where he that's where he should have been. He should have yeah. been he should have been out there fighting with El fighting with fighting with El Dandy, fighting fighting all the top baby faces, Atlant- Atlantis, ripping masks, uh every everyone, MS MS1, all of that. He should have been out here in tree like in the most evil uh stable of Rudos, all of that, and just he wasn't, and it's a complete disservice to his skill set and what he could have been as a wrestler to be uh, set to be put in a setting where CMLL CMLL was so sanitized and boring that Roosh's whole thing is this out of control chaos and chaotic energy, and he couldn't really do that a lot of the time. And Penta's the same way. Where man, imagine if he got this guy in the nineties. Like just imagine Penta in the nineties, just as good as I think Roosh would have been in the eighties in the ninety two for that rather. Just imagine how good Penta would have been in the nineties, or just imagine how yeah. like how how good Penta would have been in the two thousands. Like it's, it, I think those are two guys were truly like if we put if we time traveled and just dropped them off in a different in a different time period of lucha libre, their careers are totally different. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, they both did all right, you know, and, and Rouge has really proven to be a guy who could cross over into the U.S. scene really well. He's getting over big in AEW. You just wonder what they're going to do with him. But yeah, I mean, coming out of this and the drama with Andrade and Rouge feels like the guy who's coming up smelling like roses, which you would not have predicted. And the guy who seems like AEW is high on and actually want to do something with. And he almost felt like a signing that was like a this guy will make sense back in ROH when we get that up and running. And now it's like, no, he's like, he's a upper mid card guy in AEW that challenged Moxley. Didn't feel out of place. And you can continue to build him up in that level for probably a long time. So yeah, you know, it is, it is interesting to think how much different would it be? You know, there's stuff like this that comes up all the time though. People who are just in the wrong place at the wrong time, people who are in the wrong scene at the wrong time, you know, and even if they just travel a couple miles away, that the world just fucking absolutely appreciates them. One of which is like a like a Dan Makabe, right? We talk about him enough. Um, 
And but like when he would go over to Europe and wrestle in places like WXW, they appreciated him a lot more than in his home area. Um, yeah, so I guess <laughs> good a place as any to transition over into WXW. What do you think, Quentin? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, we well, I it was my suggestion to talk about the World Tag League. Um, I want to apologize for doing that because um, (laughs) (laughs) um, it wasn't awful, but one of those moments where I'm like, man, like I just would have rather pick something else, but like I saw it and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's just like check in. And um, I told Tim before we started recording, obviously we we are aware of how many like shows take place during the course of a WXW uh, tournament weekend. So I do not want to do this marathon podcast thing where we break down every match on the shows and talk about femme fatales and inner circle and everything like that. Like, I don't, I don't want to WXW isn't good enough for that anymore. It's just not. So like, I don't want, so I don't, so I don't want to do that, but I do think it's an interesting, it's interesting time to just check, check in on them for the first time in a couple of years, because this was a comp- this was a promotion that not that long ago was considered by a lot of us to be the best promotion in the world. And that came from a mix of their presentation and their aesthetics and how well they handled their streaming st- their streaming services and their shows and their events that came from their homegrown guys and their homegrown talent that came from the imports that they brought in and how they used them. Like this came from how they booked their titles. And everything there built their built their built their young talent up. This is a promotion that we that at one point was one of the best tippy top in the world. So to revisit it a couple years later after the European scene collapsed and everything being consolidated into WWE, it's it. I thought it was interesting to like come back and revisit it. Not that it was my first time seeing WXW. Since all of it, it's not, but all a bunch of the best guys left. Um, yeah. the best wrestler in company history is no is no longer there, and like that makes a difference not from just a uh output quality for great matches, but he was also the head trainer of the school, right? Like, I mean, he was the heart and soul of the company, I mean, uh-huh. he had influence, he was respected. His, what he said goes, you know, when he would give people kind of pointers and details and, and stuff like that. Everyone's going to listen. The ring general thing is not a fucking gimmick. It's just the, the truth, you know? So, yeah, having him gone is just completely changes the entire outlook and complexion of the entire company. Yeah. So that's a that's a thing that really, like, really mattered. And now when you look at the now, when you look at the roster, like now when you look at the shows, like. It's only been a couple of years since everything happened, but like, man, this is a completely new company that is trying to build up these uh these new talents. And I'm not sure who's in charge of uh of this of the school now. But yeah, man, I guess like my big my big takeaway is that either there are some there are some familiar faces, it's like it's uh it's tough. It is Definitely, definitely tough. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it there, and it's like, why was why was there a point when 
when AEW or not AEW, when WXW felt like one of the best promotions in the world, if not the best promotion in the world, right? It was, and you kind of talked about some of the stuff there, but I think one of the biggest takeaways is just how diverse the offerings could be. It was not even just, like you said, the great production and the, and I thought that the build and the storylines, that was great. You'd actually get some good storylines, some good builds like that. And they, they always, you could tell that they were doing long-term building to like peak certain things at the perfect places. Um, the way that they would do, you know, like the, the historical, um, the regularly, like the, the main event of the first night of, uh, of, of, uh, I think it used to be tag league or, or um or might have been 16 karat but they would always have like a, a basically a street fight championship match kind of built to and peaked um during the tournament on like one of the first nights you know and it was always like the way that they did that was like clearly there was some thought put into that to have like a big a big feud ending as you're also crowning the next you know big challenger and the way that things were going it was always there and then having stuff like inner circle you know and um and ambition where you're delivering a totally different kind of product, but it's all under the same umbrella and it's all really good for what it is. And I'll say it now, like you talk about like, Oh, what's this and what's that? Like for me coming out of it, obviously this should be no surprise if people know who, you know, me, like my show of the weekend is, is inner circle, right? Because it's in the gym, but also because I thought that the matches were better. I thought that you're getting toned down matches. Everything's pretty quick. Um, I'll talk about it later, but I really did not enjoy basically the team that ends up winning the tournament. I didn't really enjoy the gimmick and what, what the fuck was going on with all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I would say the match of the weekend for me was Abe and Slamovich, and it happens in the middle of the first show of the weekend. So that did definitely hurt kind of my appreciation of everything going down the line there. And and again, that just speaks to my taste and and you know what i what i like it's pretty common that my favorite match my favorite show of the weekend will be ambition or inner circle you know that's always how it's been with these wxw weekends and that my favorite match will be on one of those two shows and it, it happened here again it's just kind of normal um but yeah i don't know uh i guess quentin feel free you want to run us through these you can go through it as much as you want yeah i mean um so let me just give a person that like i'll give a uh I feel like I feel like it is good uh, because I am with you. Uh, spoiler if you haven't seen it, but like I really don't encourage watching this whole tournament. Uh, the Frenchadors win the win the tournament. Uh, Ig uh, I go blank and sends and sends a Volto. They fucking suck. Yeah. Um, I don't not- like their gimmick. I find it some. I find it kind of offensive in a weird way. But you know whatever. Like yeah, but I don't like it. Uh-huh. Sorry, continue. No, you're, you're no, you're good. Like, on top of that, they just aren't good either. <laughs> so, it's yes. like, so like them being like the focus of the tournament, or the and I guess this 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 Amboss thing with uh Robert Dry with Robert Dreisker and his uh and his in his unit. Um, well, Dreisker we like, but he's never been like this super duper great guy either but you know they've they've, they're they're pushing that they're pushing that act and that's the final and it's just i don't i don't i didn't get it like the booking definitely like tanked too once walter left and i don't think i'm not sure he he had any input creatively but creatively they tanked too which is 
which yeah. is which is another thing. But I want to praise someone, uh, Peter uh, Peter Tahani Tahani. Yes, I was hoping you would mention that. Very very good, really good, and I wish he would be in a better in better circumstances in a better company. But every time I saw him, he was really really good. I was super impressed with him. Yeah, no, he looked great. Um, it was interesting because he was one of many. I was checking it out. There's a lot of like Hungarian guys in the company mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the arrows, arrows. There's like a bunch of arrows of Hungary trained guys. Yeah, and a, there's a ton of them, and a ton of like. Uh, also, I think or- Orshi is Hungarian, um, who they were really pushing her strong yes. throughout. Um, so I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, I, Eva Koloskai also. So yeah, there's a lot of Hungarian people. Amboss, for a second, I thought Amboss was like a Hungarian stable, but then I noticed that there's just like a ton of Hungarian people in the in the company now, which I mean, it's very possible that Icarus and possibly also Dover, but Icarus was obviously a big feature. Like, maybe he's running the school now, you know, and a lot of the Hungarian students and people that he trained in the past are now working. Yeah, that's, that's, that. that's what that's what it's that's what it's kind of looking like, because um. Yeah. Yeah, they're both. Um, yeah, Arrows of Hungary are both am, are both uh, Amboss. Both both of them are. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, we didn't. See, and obviously, I don't think we saw Dover at all. No. So um, that so like that so that's so that's a, so that's a thing that's going on. But nah, I think that if I had to guess, I think that uh, the Arrows of Hungary are. Um, maybe running the school and also like doing like whatever type of talent evaluations, because like you said, there's a bunch of that. And then I, I heard them mentioned a couple different times in regards to like other talent. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're definitely involved in some way, which is not bad. I mean, even when, when we first started seeing them showing up in WXW, I think me and you were both the fans, they should have been progress from time to time. I think that they're, a, they're a solid tag team, good workers, you know but not great or anything like that but you know good and like yeah sure like those those kind of people can usually be decent trainers and and run you know run the school and you have someone like peter theoni who looked really great here um even on the 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 inner circle show that i mentioned his match with irie was fantastic and i thought that he was really good throughout the weekend um they kind of just stuck him in showcase singles matches including uh on the final night with speedball, which really felt like something that was about like making him look special. And honestly, I mean, you know, it's kind of tough because speedball and guns has a history of being special, but I thought that, you know, they didn't live up to that, that level of, of what I think of, of their match to where like the Peter Theone match might've been the best speedball match of the weekend. And if you ask me, I, I, I agree. Like you mentioned Fuminori Abe being Ma- versus Masha being your, uh, favorite match on the weekend. Mine was Iria versus, uh, Tahangi. Okay. Like, yeah. Like I thought that was, I thought, I thought, I thought that was really good. And like my, that's like my favorite Iria to see when he's doing the, uh, hard forearms, big bully stuff that he's been doing for the last couple of years since leaving DDT. So, I, I I really enjoyed that. Um, another one, another person, I want to get some credit to, uh, Gulias uh, Junior. Uh, another oh, another guy. Hell yeah! Yes, uh, an- yes. Another, another guy that we saw on an inner circle show. Well, this podcast is uh not 
uh, super fond of Akira, but also don't hate him. But for a 14-minute Akira match, that was not bad at all. And, like, Akira was good in it, but Gilead Jr. was really, really, really solid. Yeah, no, he looked great in that to where I was, like, excited to see more from him. I was like, oh, oh no, also, another, another, another Hungarian guy, by the way. Yes, another Hungarian guy, and I was kind of hoping to see more of him over the weekend, but he really didn't do anything else over the shows. Like, he was on one of the We Love Wrestling TV shows, but I did not go out of my way to watch any of those because I don't think that they're really canon for the weekend. They were just airing or being released during the weekend. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, coming out of that Akira match, I was like, holy shit, what's this guy's deal? Like, he's pretty, he's pretty good, but he does... I liked Akira. I did like Akira bridging up to block the um the the earthquake splash. I thought that that was an, a stupid little spot, but I did find it you know endearing in a way. But I think that Gulliish, Gulliish, whatever it is, Junior, um, he does speak to one thing that I think was a was kind of a recurring negative of the weekend that I'll just mention here as it's kind of I guess pertinent. Which is WXW, and it talked about Walter being like an all-time kind of level talent, once in a generation thing. Um, the WXW has this obsession with pushing gigantic, big slug guys who aren't very good because they basically just like respect size because of being built around Walter for so long that any big guy gets like a push and treated really well. And there's tons of them on these shows who are not that great whereas you got like this Gullius Jr. guy who actually looks really good you know so it's like every now and then it hits but you've got like Vincent Heisenberg I think they were like pushing him like a monster he looked fucking ridiculous just could not really did not look like he really even belongs in a wrestling ring necessarily just whatever you got him um obviously Dreisker who's just like I mean I guess you know they've got they're connected to him for a very long time, so they're always going to treat him solidly. Um, there was uh, Levaniel. Yeah, Levaniel is ah, not exact. Doesn't exactly hit what I'm talking about, but yeah, definitely in that conversation. Um, the way that they had presented Orshi, she looked really good on Inner Circle, and then they have her lose to Anastasia Bardot, who I think they were like kind of presenting her as like a big guy wrestler and she looked pretty bad and i would have gone with orshi instead personally yeah so maybe lavaniel maybe i'm not thinking of how big lavaniel really is maybe, I'm, but no, no, maybe but no, I, I guess i like i just I lumped them in there i was thinking just like people, people that like pushed beyond where they deserve to be yeah that's that's all that's yeah. all i think thinking of it as like watching uh like rot like rot um flat and watching michael uh schenkenberg yeah. and nikita charisma it's like yeah. yeah, neither of them are better than Gullius Jr. So, so. No, no. And yeah, like it's just they have this history in WXW of pushing big guys more than they deserve. And it just it becomes really frustrating, especially now in 2022. It's just like, Jesus, you know, there's like it's been proven so many times that you don't have to be a big guy to, to work. You could Abe. I mean, like I said, I, I fucking absolutely love Abe. I thought he looked phenomenal with Masha and Masha. I've said this, but I think that the argument, and I've heard people say it, it's not like my unique take, but I kind of agree with it, at least in some ways, that Masha is the hottest wrestler in the U.S., like U.S. indie-based wrestler. The hottest. I probably, and, I probably agree, yeah. Yeah, like right now, she's nothing but potential. Her matches are fucking amazing. She kicks kicks ass. Everyone wants to book her. She doesn't disappoint. And her and Abe just had a fucking 
a barn burner of a match that had some goofy comedy ish stuff, you know, just like kind of playing off the situation, but also was like had some really great looking striking back and forth and, and drama and everything. I just thought hit everything perfectly. So. So, yeah, I mean, you don't need to be a big giant guy to have a great match. It's, it's fucking proven right there. Um, to get back to that, obviously, we get Abe and Shigeru Iria here. Let's cut straight to the chase. Uh, Abe and Iria versus Violence is Forever. Dream yes. match shit over here happening in WXW. And, like, yeah, like this, like, Tanyi, ver- uh, Tanyi versus uh Iria was my favorite singles match of the weekend probably. But like this is you know, this is exactly what the fuck you wanted to see. Yes. Yeah, that was that match definitely delivered for what you were hoping for as like a, a dream match. Um absolutely fucking rocked. Um I thought that the the um otherwise it was just like there wasn't other any other super strong Iria and Abe match. Um and there wasn't really any other super strong Vance's forever match. Um, so it was just kind of like, yeah, this was this was the big match. Um, absolutely rocked. But this is, yes, oh my god. Uh you got, <laughs> we got that, right? And then we also got this is a thing about WXW you talk about is that they they push their guys. I mean, the final and the main event is Amboss versus the French Adores. I'm sure if you're invested in the story, it seemed like Amboss was pushed pretty strongly and the French Adores had a big overcome here, right? So again, like they bring in the imports and this is something that WXW has always been really good at is they bring in the imports, they give you a dream match, but they also don't like fuck over their guys to just put the imports over. They, they, no, they, they, they don't at all. They look out for their for their guys. Sorry, I was looking at, uh, the, at the We Love Wrestling Wildcard Edition. Yeah, that, that looks uh, really good. I downloaded it. I was gonna watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. They had LJ versus Jaden. I was like, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I almost watched it for the podcast, but then you know, again, time was crazy. And I wanted to get that AAA stuff. I also watched some GCW stuff that I was like, maybe I'll talk about it, but no. Um, no. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but um. Pretty bastards. Pretty, ba- pretty bastards. Pretty bastards are good. Like they've gotten better since yeah. I've seen them. Pretty, pretty. I like pretty bastards. I don't know why. Uh, and I get it. They've been there for a couple of years now, but I don't know why they're super into French adores and all of that right now. But oh, like, oh, pretty bastards. Like they're like clearly their best team. Like, huh? What is going on? Yeah. What's going on here? Well, it was weird for me because pretty bastards kind of came in as my my WXW watching was starting to wane. Um, mm. And they were kind of one of the, they, they were a team that I was just a little bit like, eh, I don't really care about these guys. And they were starting to get pushed more and more. And I just was not into it. Um, And then they showed up here. And I thought like, yeah, these guys are actually really fucking good. And I guess they were like on hiatus. They hadn't been a team for a while before this uh, they hadn't teamed and then they did the weird thing where uh prince Aurora was like out for the second show and and maggot had to wrestle a handicap match on the night two which i thought was weird it was a weird story and it would have like made sense if it had turned into something but it didn't it was just pointless you know like that was very odd 
But yeah, that was a big takeaway for me too, where I was kind of like, God, did I like write these guys off for just who knows what reason? Just because they were like new and I was just like, eh. I was already kind of checking out on WXW and they were new. So I was just like, it was even more just like, oh, I'm not interested in investing in any new acts from this company at this point because I'm just done with it. Because yeah, coming back here, like you said, they stood out as the best team from them. Rotten Flot, I've always fucking hated. Um, so yeah, that was like definitely not going to be into them. French Adores, as I said, just obnoxious, not a big fan. Um, so yeah, this was this was definitely like, oh yeah, the pretty bastards, pretty good. Calamari Drunken Kings. I think I've relatively <clears throat> recently had like a resurgence on how much I like Takanashi, and I think that him and him and Brooks are a solid tag team. You know, like they're solid. They're, they're, doing. they're solid. Was just like. Why is this the team that you're choosing to go to have all these long matches with? Right. Like, and like another say another match with Sanity only went like 12 minutes, but then their other match went 18, and they went to the 20 minute draw with a uh, pretty bastards, which was good. Those are pretty. Those are pretty good match. I will. I will give. I will give them credit for that, and I I, I enjoyed it, but uh, I don't. I still don't really want to like really want to see them like used as if they're like the good match guys in the tournament. Right, like, right. like it's just like, eh, you know, like we're we're definitely a far we're definitely a far cry far cry away from uh like trying to do like a leaders of the new school and uh and um uh death by elbow. Um yeah, right. uh uh you know like for like stuff stuff like that which like you know, Chris Hero won the match. Like, okay, cool. Like, let's do that. You have Zack Saber Jr. here, and the other two guys are all right. Like, let's do that. Um, and understand that, and for booking purposes, and to make sure that you get to the final that you wanted to get to. I understand all of that. Uh, but but yeah, like I still would just probably rather not see like CDK get used as if they're like the great match guys because they're just not. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there's a lot of different things there that you mentioned that I want to kind of fork off into it. I don't know even where to start. Like doing a round robin style tournament with this amount of teams feels like forced, you know, really does not feel like it makes sense to me. Just not enough teams. The booking is all very predictable because you basically just have you know, three nights, three matches, and everyone's getting three points, you know, for a win to where you have to end up with what you did here, which is like a team gets a win on the first night, loses on the second night, and then everybody is all tied up going into the final night. And, you know, you have to come up with different ways to get around stuff like time limit draws and, 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 you know, people winning matches that kind of in a weird way don't make any sense for them to win. Um, but you just do it because of where you're trying to go, you know, and because of the booking that you're trying to do. Um, so yeah, just to me, it's like, I, I think you're better off doing a single elimination tournament. If you have this amount of teams and just do it that way. Um, especially cause you're padding out the shows with so many other matches that aren't in the tournament. It's pretty easy to do that. Um, either way. And so, yeah, I was just kind of, kind of not a big fan of that. I don't know. What do you think about the, the format of the, the blocks and the, the amount of teams and all that? Yeah, no, I feel like um I feel like it didn't used really used to feel like a problem back when um again back when the wrestlers were were back when there was still like a great roster and like you could kind of like overlook like the flaws and the way they would structure it. 
like it kind of wouldn't matter or get or get in the way of things. But like when you do something like this and you're such a mess and you want to have the blocks up the way they are and then do like weird angles in between and then still do like matches in the block that are, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's 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 a lot. It's just not uh not the easy not the easiest to keep up with, especially when they want to add in like oh, so like well, we're gonna like we're gonna turn this into a handicap match now and yeah all that. It's it's it, it didn't it bothered me more than like it would than it has like other times because like this is still effectively like the same structure, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. It just for some reason it feels like less teams, but I bet it's not. I bet this isn't normal for them, but just kind of end up with everybody tied, you know, like almost every team ends up with like three points or six points and like all of the, the finals being decided by, by um tiebreakers rather than you could have had some teams just fucking get a goose egg. And like, like you said, I think it was better when you had more stars and, and stuff made more sense. Like to me, something like, like the, even I mean, you want the French Adors getting into the finals, I guess, but it was just like having the French Adors beat Sanity doesn't seem like it made sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, um, but you don't want Sanity to, you know, lose all their matches, so they beat they yeah they they make like this handicap match so that they beat like yeah, it just it's all it feels very convoluted and stuff doesn't necessarily make perfect sense um, in that regard. Um, there was something else that I had thought about. Oh, sanity in general. I wanted to talk about like how weird it was that they presented them as the sanity team. That was um, so fucking weird. Yeah, because like, wh- why would why? What was the point? Yeah. Like, why would no one has any nostalgia for sanity? And so, like, who cares? Tisher's been back in WXW for a while, just as the old Axel Tisher, like not uh-huh. sanity. Yeah, that was really weird. And yeah, like you said, just do, are people really like nostalgic for sanity? Like that was very odd. It was a very odd thing um, to just have that team. <laughs> and I'm not saying I hated it or anything, but uh, on top, I mean, just why? Yeah, it was very weird. Sanity, I guess, was kind of cool at a time in NXT, but I don't know. I don't know. It was very, very odd. Very odd. Uh, didn't really feel like it fit it with the rest of everything else. Um, Alice Inc. What did you think of Alice Inc. winning Femme Fatale, winning the title? Um, how do you feel about female Tommy Ant? <laughs> um, I see the vision. Like, sure. I like I see like I see that, and like I definitely don't think um it's like unwarranted. Still a little rough. Um, and like I want to see uh. Her get that. I want to see all these. I want to see other women develop. Like I don't like. They still got things to work out, but like the women that they had, like they had, they're like uh, that they had, like uh, Koloski and Orshi and uh, Alice and Alice Inc. Um, all like it. I I I don't think that they are going to be terrible. I want to see how they develop. Uh, but I see the I, I see the idea there. I don't think that uh. I don't think she's. I don't think she's terrible. I see what I see what what the what she could be if she uh like got the right training. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I I I joke that I like I appreciated the act if I thought of it as like intentionally making fun of Tommy End, 
Uh, <laughs> like it's it's mocking him, but it was. I mean, goddamn, like it really is. Like it really feels like that's the way she's being presented. And obviously, he was a big deal in WXW. But yeah, no, I mean, nobody looked nobody looked super bad on the Femme Fatale except for Shaza McKenzie. Um, I, I've I've in the past been a little bit nicer to her, and I've I've seen her in the past live and thought that she was pretty good years and years ago. But at this point, like. I'm starting to kind of come around on the whole, like she sometimes looks like she shouldn't even be wrestling. Um, and like, it's just kind of whatever, um, you know, but she's not like a WXW talent, right? No one or, or she mentioned her, she stands out in a way and talked about it with Jay. Um, uh, we were talking about stardom, stardom kind of having a mini Haas division or she, or she seems like the type who would definitely do well to maybe do a tour and stardom and wrestle with yes. some of the power fighters over there. Absolutely. That was actually something I thought about when seeing her. Is like, yeah, she should go to she should go to Japan for a little bit. Uh yeah. and maybe if it's not necessarily stardom, maybe if she like did Sendai Girls or whatever, but like someone like she should uh she should like make the connections, reach out, see what she can do, see if someone can do it for her. But like she would be a she'd be a really, really interesting person to like watch in Japan. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tristan Archer, um, not a fan, not a fan. No. I don't think I yeah. ever liked him. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't believe he's the champion now, dude. I fucking um, know, right? <laughs> it's just, it really speaks to where WXW is that they've got their title on this guy. Um, yeah, I for a second I saw a picture of him and thought it was, um, Fabian Eichner. I don't know what his name is now. Like they have really similar faces, but uh, but yes. yeah, Tristan Archer is not uh, not <clears throat> the guy. Should not be the champion, I don't think. Um, Masha Slamovich and Killer Kelly. That match really disappointed. I don't know what yeah. you thought. No, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you there. Um, by the way, um, Tristan Archer is a two time WXW oh, champion. God damn it! Of course he is. This is what happens when Walter leaves. Fucking yeah, to, uh, Tristan Archer is now uh, is now uh, the new um. Got a car- is Carson is Carson Beck dead? Um, he's still alive. Still alive. Okay. I okay, I, didn't, can I, can I, I was gonna say new like Carson Beck, but like I didn't want to. But like I was like, hey, hold on, is oh, Carson yeah. Beck? I didn't, I didn't know if he was dead or anything. <laughs> yeah, not. Uh, oof. Um, but but okay. no, like he uh. Yeah, no, he's not good. Like it's been years of watching him at this point, and just still, they really got into him. Masha and Killer Kelly, like, I don't know what it was. Maybe just wrestling all weekend and this and that. But like, you would think this was a match that they would get up for, but like, I guess not. And like, I guess they don't have to. Like, these are two that these are two that could like see each other in Impact. So like, this wasn't like maybe a super big deal to either of them, but. No, that wasn't uh, great either. Um, Bobby Guns and Mike Bailey. I, um, they captured magic in a bottle in that first match. And the issue was they keep trying to desperately recreate it instead of like just letting things happen naturally on their own. Like, I'm fine with like playing into history and doing whatever. But one, as we've seen over the years, Bobby Guns is exceedingly is, is exceedingly limited and not the rate of a wrestler and hasn't improved a ton. But also, like, 
when they had their world title match, if you you're, you're just trying to force this into being this big epic thing, and what made it cool the first time is that it was kind of unexpected, and yeah, now that they're recreating it, I feel like it's diminishing returns. So this is sort of the method. I don't think the match is terrible. I think it's solid, but I think that WXW can learn a thing and just. Just like let the match happen, or like let the match happen. Like we we know that Mike Bailey and Bobby Guns had a really good match five years ago. We know we're aware of that. We saw it. We were there. Like you don't have to like try to keep recreating it or like doing it in such a forced way. Those two are solid wrestlers, good wrestlers. Uh, more so swung for speedball there, but Bobby Guns like has had his has had his moments. You're Kind of, you're overdoing it and like doing that, ma- doing the match a disservice. If you're, whoa, this is one of the biggest matches in WXW history and one of like our um our marquee things and the and the dueling chance and this and that and like it's uh, cool. I understand that. Just like let them go out there and figure it out and stop trying to force us to be this epic rivalry because it's it's not. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I know. It's that's the thing that sucks is that you can have a epic moment and and something like you said you catch lightning in a bottle and something that stands out that way and not necessarily have that mean that yeah it's like an epic rivalry and unfortunately it's like where they say you outkick your coverage they have like this one moment where the like ships passing in the night they created something magical and then you're always like trying to hold it up to that standard and that's what i kind of said from the beginning where it's like on paper oh these guys have amazing chemistry but then it's like now you're at the point where you look at how many matches they've had and you kind of go, actually, they don't. <laughs> actually, they do not have great chemistry with each other. Um, they just had one really great match and that's it. Um, and then otherwise, they've had a series of okay matches. And you're kind of getting to the point where, yeah, it's like it's the Simpsons. You have to you have to use the Simpsons logic when you talk about this stuff and remember that it's like uh like there's more bad Simpsons than there is good Simpsons. And so on whole, the Simpsons is actually a bad TV show um, because even though like it's had the highest highs, that's like such a small percentage of the show that uh, it's not really fair to say it's a good show anymore. And it's just like the Bobby guns and Mike Bailey had one really great match. And then everything else that they've done has been like fine. Okay. And nothing special. Um, so yeah, that's uh that's that's the diatribe on that. Um mentioning the the Kelly and um Masha t- impact thing, I kind of thought about it and I was like, well what I haven't seen a ton of what Kelly's doing and I haven't yet. I meant to, I wanted to do it for the podcast, watch uh Masha and um Jordan title match from Bound for Glory to see what that's like, but Killer Kelly has not from what I can tell has not done a ton in impact yet um the tag match with her and filthy tom versus um brian alvarez and uh and billy starks i think that maybe those partners no those are the partners um she looked fine but she was wearing jeans and seemed a lot more doing kind of street fight tornado tag style thing and over this weekend i won't say that she looked bad but she didn't look like the killer kelly that we all fell in love with you know years ago so i'm just kind of like is killer kelly at 100 percent um i might go out of my way to check out some of these matches because it looks like they're building a feud with killer kelly and tasha steals and impact who i think 
me and you maybe we've talked about this before, but I think we both think Tasha is actually pretty solid. Um, so I would like to see what kind of what we kind of have there between those two. But I'm not sure that Killer Kelly is is going to deliver like she used to. So we'll have to see. Um, do you have any other thoughts on the <laughs> WXW weekend? Um, no, no, I don't. But I want to I want to give you a quiz question. I want to see if you get this okay. right. Okay. Who are the two commentators for Impact Wrestling oh. right now? Oh, um, oh, I know that one of them is um, Mr. Shaw Guerrero, the the drama king, Matt. Um, I can't think of his last name, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Aiden English. Aiden English, yes. What's his real name? Is like Matt something. Rar- Matthew R- Matthew Roholt. Roholt. Okay, so it's him. It's him. There's another one. And the other one. Ah, I really don't have any idea. Um, it's not Striker. It's not. Okay, I didn't think it was Striker. Um, okay, I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say. Oh God! And now I can't think of his name. Uh, Phillips. It is. You got. You got it. Okay. What's his What's his name? Hannafin. Tom Hannafin. Tom Hannafin. Okay, yes. Damn, so, I can't believe I got that. That was a I, that was kind of a shot in the dark. Yeah, so actually, because I haven't watched Impact in a while, and I remember the last time I did watch, I pointed out like just how much better the product was when you don't have Tom when you don't have uh Josh Matthews and Matt Striker yes. ruining shit. And like Tom Phillips is legitimately great. Uh Matthew Rawolt. Rawolt. I've liked him on New Japan Strong. Yeah, like he's like he like he's good too, and it's like I don't watch Impact, like, but a lot of it was because like Striker and Matthews were just so fucking unbearable, um, and like I'm way more inclined to watch like having those two commentate, and it's like such a big thing or such an interesting thing in my opinion. It's like man, if we people don't people don't think about rest about the commentators enough. Because we have to sit there and listen to listen to them throughout the entire broadcast and duration of the show. It's like, man, like if those guys are ruining the show, like they're ruining the matches too. Yeah. So, uh, I think I just like looked. I think I looked it up to see what to see what Mosh and Killer Kelly were doing. Killer Kelly was in a gauntlet match on Bound for Glory, and um, yeah, did you for some reason Josh Alexander and Eddie Edwards went twenty eight minutes like. Ah, uh, people are saying that match is good too. I was gonna watch it. I'm actually, I actually started watching the Masha Jordan Grace when I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Grace did the did the Davy spot, the superplex into the Falcon Arrow, but she did the superplex, rolled through, and hit a jackhammer, and it was actually kind of badass. That um, sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I would definitely say check this out. Honestly. Like you mentioning the the commentary being better and that being an issue. I've talked about it. I've been kind of sneakily watching Impact pretty regularly for a while now. It's a pretty decent show for the most part. I couldn't imagine getting invested in Impact ever again like I used to be um, or watching the weekly TV show regularly. But the pay-per-views and like, you know, some matches on the TV show, honestly, pretty solid show. Booked really well. Presentation is good. Like, 
when when it comes to the you know the knockouts division, the women's wrestling, it's still honestly probably the best women's division in America. Um, just like AEW has some talent, but they don't book them very well. WWE obviously has a ton of talent, but like I don't know, they just don't really have great matches in WWE, no matter who you are. So yeah, like the Impact Women's Division is still probably the best. Otherwise, Josh Alexander kicks ass. Like you know. I don't know about a 30 minute match with Eddie Edwards in 2022, but whatever. Um, so yeah, like impact is pretty, pretty solid. Uh, I also want to check out this Frankie Kazarian versus speedball match. I'm wondering how good that could possibly be. Oh, uh, 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 I feel like it's people that just like forget that like Kazarian isn't like, isn't a terrible wrestler. I was like, Oh shit. Kazarian is like, he's been like, of like geek. Like he, he shouldn't be out there going like 30 minutes or some shit. Like the fucking, like, Crazy! It was like a, I think it's like an AJ Styles and Kazarian like sixty minute like sixty minute match or some shit that happened or was it like yeah was it AJ and it's, it's something in PWG though just like a crazy long match for Kazarian for no fucking reason at all. Well, um, I mean, it's if it, if it's in PWG, it's not for no reason. You're talking about the first world champ, baby, the future oh Frankie god. Kazarian. Oh my god! But um, <laughs> but no, but but no, like it's like yeah, like I've. Kazarian's a good wrestler, guys. I mean, sorry if you didn't know that. <laughs> like he's yeah, still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's always been solid. Honestly, whatever. We don't even need to get into this, but in some ways, I feel like while the tag team with Christopher Daniels was great and a lot of people really loved it, in some weird ways, it kind of held Frankie back this entire time. But also, who knows? He probably would have just stopped getting booked if he didn't have. Yeah, I feel like he. I feel like he, team, you know? I feel like he just wouldn't really have gotten much to do. Yeah. Yeah, no one would have booked him anymore, but he could have had better matches. You know what? You know that's again that's the trade off, right? Uh, uh, I mean, Either I'm way. good. I'm good on uh, yeah. all this WXW stuff. Um, all right, so I... DPW they um they did a uh, seminar with Chris Hero, and I uh, downloaded it. It's on uh, the internet, and so um, anyways, Quentin, you want to break down this three hour Chris Hero uh, um. Uh, <laughs> seminar where he's explaining wrestling to these kids. Uh, <laughs> All right, no, um, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm, think I'm good for the evening. Um, uh, yeah, I think we're good. I didn't, I didn't watch any of Royal Quest. Wonder if there's anything that was good here. Uh, uh which one's? Royal oh, Quest? oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, there's F, yeah, there's FTR versus Aussie Open. Yeah, that's the New Japan show that's not out. Okay. Uh, so these, these, is the UK show, right? Yeah, these aren't out yet? Yeah, no. This is a very upsetting thing, which people have talked about a bit, but it's, you know, whatever. But yeah, they 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 did this fucking show in the UK. It happened like a month ago at this point. Um, It has like title ramifications because that FTR versus Aussie Open match is a tag team title match. And it's just not out anywhere. It's not on apparently, the apparently, apparently it aired yesterday. It's a broadcast date on here on cage match okay. it says broadcast date october okay. 16th so so okay so maybe it finally came out but yeah mm. it was not out i was wanting i wanted to talk about it weeks ago but uh you know obviously we couldn't um but i guess now it's out so i guess maybe we'll talk about it next week it's fucking old at this point but you know um because yeah there's also declaration of power has already happened after that and they um, still hadn't released that show Apparently, Gideon Gray is in the United Empire. Yeah, they're doing like a storyline where Gideon Gray is like the money man behind United Empire. It's kind of funny. 
Um, that but, uh, is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's getting great. booked. He's getting booked in the UK or in Japan. What? Um, because of this. Yeah, he's he's. Oh gone my god, Japan. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's that. so cool. I love Gideon Gray. I, I mean, I'm always a big fan of Gideon Gray. But yeah, like this guy, uh, he's gotten he's gotten big time bookings off of this shit. Oh man, that's fucking awesome. Uh, if that's yeah. if that's up, then I'm gonna watch um, yeah. FTR versus Aussie Open. I guess we can come talk about that next week. Um, that sounds good. But uh, that's it for that's it for me. I'm starting to get a headache, so uh, oh, no. let's wrap this, let's wrap this up here. You follow Tim on Twitter at Bone Dog's Wife. You follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. If you're feeling as a kind too, you can donate to us on coffee and you could fund our trip to I don't I don't know. Let's uh go take the book from uh whoever's booking WXW. We're gonna just start bringing over uh big Japan guys again. Uh, Hideyoshi, Hideyoshi Kamatani doesn't matter anymore. Let's just like start bringing him over and just keep him in Germany. Yeah. I don't know. Can we get uh, CZW guys back too? Fuck it. Does CZW even exist anymore? Maybe. <laughs> I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure that's a real company anymore. Yeah, I know. It might not exist anymore. But uh, that's it for us. Thank you for listening, and I'll be here next time. Emotion